It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, no fans, basketball fans, or may, maybe even uh, not no fans. Maybe some. Uh, maybe we got some Duke or, or Carolina fans that are deciding to take a peek at what that pesky neighbor down to the south is doing here. Uh, this is Matt Minnick, joined as always by Michael Rogner here on the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Basketball Podcast. Uh, and and today we, we've got a good show, I think, Michael. We've got uh, well, it's U.S. Open time. I'm, probably work in a little bit of golf uh nba finals time and 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 then a lot of updates to get to on uh, get to on florida state basketball and and to start with some of those updates we've we've actually been joined or we are joined by uh tomahawk nation's own max escarpio uh welcome to the podcast max uh, how's it going glad to be here guys thank you for having me yeah Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, if y'all aren't familiar with Max, you pro- if you're on Tomahawk Nation, you've probably seen his interviews, seen his, uh, seen his articles. He's on Twitter, at Max Scarpio. Uh, if you're new to Tomahawk Nation, then you should definitely look out for him. Uh, so, Max, you are you're a student at Florida state. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're around the program in a way that maybe some people aren't in terms of, you know, being around the, uh, kid, being around the, the actual basketball players, being around the student body, kind of getting to see things a little more, uh, close. What, uh, what have, what can you tell us just about the vibe from the summer? Are our guys in town and, and getting after it? Yeah, everyone seems pretty excited for next season. Right now they're basically just working out through coach ham camps and stuff like that. Uh, I know Jeremiah's had a really good relationship with Deontay Green. I don't know if they're rooming together, but they've been with each other a lot. They were one of the first ones. Deontay was one of the first ones to get to Tallahassee. And Chandler Jackson, Darren Green followed. Uh, Jalen Ganey took a little bit to get there. He had some 
he had to finish up with some classes and, and graduate from Brown University. So he took some time to get there. Uh, Darren Green was also one of the first players to get there. And then came like Cam Corrin and Tom House. But it's a new young team that seems pretty excited for next season and excited for a new age. Yeah, I saw that that specifically you had talked to uh, Baba and um, I'm wondering like what your takeaways were from that talk. And then also I, he's not even going to be here right until the end of August or something. So, you know, has, what, you know, what do you think about how that's going to impact him not being around the guys for the summer? Well, we definitely, it's going to take him more time to adapt earlier in the season because he doesn't get here till the end of August. He's going to be playing with the Spanish team throughout June and, and uh, July. So it's going to take him more time to start practicing with the team, start getting with, really with that defensive mindset and that system that Coach Hamilton has. But he says that he's excited. He says that this summer he's going to try to put on more weight. Right now he says he's listed at 6'11", around 204, 203, something like that. So it's a bigger guy than we had last year, like, like John Butler. He, he's already stronger. He's already a bigger guy. But – he'll take more of that time in the beginning of the season than having that time in the off season. Yeah. And then you, you also talked to Darren green, I think. And, and, you know, he's our UCF transfer. We, we know he's going to hit threes, but what, what else did he talk about? Like uh, working his game on Darren Green said he can be a playmaker. He can, he can grab the ball, take it up the court. He knows that in coach Hamilton's system, you don't just shoot, you don't just play one role. He knows that he needs to play defense. And he came here. He said he came here to play in the best division which is the ACC, the best conference. So he's ready to be the, our shooter, and he's ready to be what Florida State has been missing for a while. That's great to hear that. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of attitude you'd like to have from a guy like Darren coming in, knowing that you know maybe he could have been at UCF and, and continued to put up, I don't know, 15, 16 shots a game. And maybe he – Maybe the nights that he gets that if he's hot, but maybe, maybe not uh, most nights, but you know, nonetheless trying to grow and stretch his skills in another way. Did, uh, did Baba mention anything about, you know, he was down to Gonzaga and Florida state. And, and I know that Gonzaga, maybe they filled up to be honest, maybe their gain of getting all their guys back from the NBA draft uh, was, was our gain, but did he talk any, any about Hamilton or, or some of the compelling factors that made Florida state, uh, you know, an attractive place in, uh, to begin with? He said that earlier last year, probably around August, September, when he started playing for Real Madrid and playing for the professional teams over there, that he started to get contact with college basketball coaches he said that he was st he still didn't know if he was going to stay in Spain or come over here to play basketball. So he started narrowing it down throughout the year. Obviously, he narrowed it down to Gonzaga and Florida State. I definitely think that Strother, uh, Timmy, all those guys coming back and the transfer from Chattanooga helped our chances a lot. He seemed like he really liked Gonzaga. He has a good relationship with one of the assistant coaches there. So that definitely helped us. Uh, he said that Coach Hamilton's system – he fits like a glove, quote unquote, here. So he's ready to be a, a defensive. He's ready to get that that physicality that that he's missing. I think to to before he gets to the draft, he's ready to kind of put the other puzzle pieces that he needs aside from his scoring ability and his shot right now. And yeah. he's decided to do that in Tallahassee. So so what I'm hearing you kind of say is is that you know when he decided to make the jump to to play, it sounds like maybe a year in college, 
uh, it, it was predicated on trying to get maybe a bit more accustomed to the kind of physicality that that the NBA is going to be. And, and, and so that, that sure, I think play maybe to Darren Green's point too, playing in the ACC, playing uh, a style of ball like we play certainly helped. And then, and then, like you mentioned, if, if you're trying to do an audition for the NBA minutes and shots might've been harder to come around over at Gonzaga with everyone they brought back is kind of what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, hundred percent. And he knows, he told me that he knows he doesn't have a, a promised starting job here, but he can be one of those one of those guys that plays multiple positions, guards multiple positions, and this is kind of his year to to keep developing before because we all know that he wants to to get to the draft maybe in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four, but he wants to get to the draft early, so he needs to develop some of these little things that he has in Spain. Yeah, I saw that he had an interesting comment that that. You know, Europe is a place when you turn pro that you you don't develop. You know, you're there expected to contribute and you come to the U.S. to develop, which I thought was was pretty interesting and and, and certainly highlights Florida State's program. You know, you hear a lot about that, uh, you know, guys coming here to develop new skills, which 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 is a great, you know, uh, you know, something you can kind of hang your hat on. So moving on from Baba, I know that that uh, I think I think you've talked to Deontay Green. I don't know if it was you know, any, uh, you know, relation to basketball or anything, but, but he had surgery and people are kind of wondering, you know, how is he moving around? Is he going to be able to, to play it all this summer? I haven't heard anything about his timetable yet. Haven't really talked much about when he'll be back. A lot of the coaches said that maybe not this, the first game of the season, but he'll mm-hmm. be back earlier in the season than we hoped before. I mean, that we thought before. So that seems like some good news. He's already walking around. He's been walking up this I mean, he, he walks up the stairs to his apartment. He walks around uh, around campus and stuff like that. So I think it's better right now than we thought before. Great. Yeah, and I did I – did, uh, I believe he had the surgery done here. So that is a plus as well. I, I you know, heard, had heard that from the staff back, gosh, when it was still basketball season because he was hurt, what, maybe February? January. January, yeah. So I'm pretty sure he had the surgery done later here. So – that's great news to hear that he's going up steps and at least at least mobile. Uh, do you get the sense that it's a group of guys? I, I mean, again, I know that it's it's summer and everyone's kind of I mean new to college, feeling things out. But uh, I saw Chandler was rooming, I think, with Matthew Cleveland, which to me feels like a great fit. Uh, two two guys that really can can get after it, and Chandler maybe maybe being a little bit of an alpha dog there coming in, but does it seem like a group of guys that enjoy, at least from, from what you've been able to tell in limited exposure, I mean, enjoy being around each other, enjoy being around the community in Tallahassee? What I love that I've seen is that there's so many new faces here that they all know that it's kind of like when you, when you go to a new high school or you get to a new middle school, everyone's new. So you know that you need to start like making contact, but you're not that nervous to talk to other people because everyone's new. So they've had that. They're all from different parts of the, Chandler from Memphis, uh, Tom House is from Ohio. Like they're all from different parts of the U.S. that came here to develop and came here to win basketball games in Tallahassee. And they already have a great relationship that I see. They're already goofing around online on Instagram stories and stuff like that. I can't talk much because I'm not in Tallahassee and uh, I don't have a great relationship with, with much of them, but I see what I see on social media and I see a lot of new faces who are really excited. Yeah. You're not in Tallahassee just for the summer, right? Heading back uh, in the fall. Great. 
Uh, well, Michael, any other last question that you have around just interacting with the guys or, or maybe, maybe a, a request that we could ask, is there some, is there someone else you'd like, you'd like our colleague here to reach out to and get an interview with? Well, you know that I'm a huge fan of Chandler Jackson. That's, that's my guy coming into this class. So any, any, anytime you can talk to him, get him on, on film, uh, you know, let us know. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Well, Max, uh, great having you on. And I think that we will have to make this, uh, you'll, you'll have to have some repeat appearances, particularly when school starts and, you know, you're back in school. We, we'd love to hear kind of what the vibe is maybe in September, October around the student body. Are people getting, you know, it, hopefully it was just a one-off year of last year being kind of a weird injury year and, and would love to love to hear more about the student body vibe as, as we get closer to basketball season. Um, here, I'll, I'll let you pitch your own stuff, Max. Again, I know I did it earlier, but if, if you're, uh, if you want to pitch your, t- your Instagram, your, your Twitter, your, your work that you've been doing, go ahead. <laughs> my Instagram just at Max Scarpio, M-A-X and then my last name. So, and then I run the, the Instagram for Tomahawk Nation, which is just Tomahawk Nation. I'll be sure to do some more interviews for you guys soon. Great. Last name is E-S-C-A-R-P-I-O for folks, uh, since this is an audio podcast and not a visual one. (laughs) Sounds good, Max. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Max. All right. That was, uh, that was fun. I, we should, I'm, I'm glad to have Max in a position. We're lucky to have someone who can, uh, who has some of the relationships established with, with some of those guys. Um, and, and I, I look forward to hearing more from him in the fall. Michael, I'm there were, of all the stuff that he said, I was perhaps my ears perked up most hearing that Baba, according to Baba, right? Like according to the, to him is in the 203, 204 range. Seems oddly specific for him to make it up, right? I feel like, you know, you're not making up that you weigh 203 pounds, uh, but let's even say he's 198 instead of 203. Uh, that is... That's a significant difference from John Butler. John Butler, I believe at the scouting combine was 172. I want to say 172, 173. There was, there was one player who was invited to the combine who weighed less than John Butler. And that was Kennedy Chandler, the uh, undersized point guard who is looked at in the late first round. Uh, So just initial thoughts on the, the, the size, like just, I mean, Baba versus John Miller. John Butler, yeah. John I, Butler. I mean, I, I I buy Baba's. You know, I'm sure he gets on the scale every morning and hopes that it starts with a two, and like that's the opposite of me. You know, I get on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> but so if he says he's two or three, I'm sure he's somewhere around 200, and which is 30 pounds bigger than Butler. I think part of that is just their different body types. You know, Baba's a little bigger, just, you know, he's broader. Yeah, uh, definitely but then, but, bigger shoulders for sure. Yeah, but then he's also just got, you know, more muscle. Butler had none. Um, so from that perspective, you know, the, the, the fit on the team is very similar in terms of, of what they're going to be asked to do. It's just I think that Baba is a little, a little better positioned to kind of grind out you know, what's it going to be 30? If we go to the NCAA tournaments, like 33 games or something, um, you know, and a better chance of his body holding up, which is a pretty big deal after last year when we saw so many guys go down with injuries. Um, ironically, Butler was not one of them, um, but he was, but, you know, we saw lots of guys go down. So we, so we need just bigger physical, more, you know, stronger guys in the, in the program. 
Yeah, and and you know, there's also I I, I agree that they're probably going to play a similar role, which is a role that is oftentimes on the perimeter, right? I want to I want to be cognizant of the fact that John Butler wasn't asked to be Bernard James. John Butler wasn't asked to be even um, Raekwon Gray. So when, when we look at rebound percentages and we look at the impact that he was able to have, um, you know, some of that has to be with the understanding that he was asked on offense to oftentimes stand in the corner and hit threes, which he did. And, and from the film that I've seen of Baba playing against other professional basketball players, uh, he can also hit threes and he, he seems to particularly like him from the right wing. Um, and he can also, bring the ball up the court like John Butler could. Uh, I, I have to see exactly what his lateral quickness looks like when you're playing high major guys uh, compared to, I, I just don't know how to, how to account for that. But having said all that, I mean, there were still games where John Butler was grabbing one or two rebounds and, and almost had zero ability to rebound out of his position, uh, out of his area, if you will. And, and that's largely because when we played teams with grown men, he just got bullied and, and pushed out of the way. There wasn't a whole lot he could do to stand his ground. And, and I mean, does, does just substituting a 6'10", 170 guy with a 6'10", 200-pound guy that has similar athleticism, I mean, does that just hopefully make us a better rebounding team? Well, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of ways to skin that thing, but but – Butler was, as you mentioned, he's just not a good rebounder and he wasn't, you know, particularly asked to. And the reason he wasn't asked to is because he's not even good at it. Um, but, you know, he would often get out of position, which was a large part of it because guys would just blow right by him. And so he'd actually be behind them and, and he was long enough to, you know, to, to still impact their shot. But, you know, he just, he just wasn't there. You would like to see a guy that's 7'1" um be getting like a put back dunk per game or you know sure so, somewhere along those lines and butler had 11 dunks for the entire season last year which is yeah i mean naheem mcleod had three or four put back put back dunks on one possession or yeah. like on uh, consecutive possessions against i think vt or somebody like, you know yeah mcleod i mean he, he he barely played he played like a third of the minutes that that uh um Butler played last year because of because of the injury and he and he had like twice as many dunks so you know it's not it's not even a comparison um he did you know I don't want this to sound like he didn't do things well because you know obviously he's he's a very good shooter his 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 length was an issue a lot of times he he didn't have horrible turnover problems um mm -hmm. you know he didn't he didn't he committed his, his share of fouls but he wasn't like you know in gum or something uh so but in terms of, of what this team needs, I'm totally fine with just plugging Baba in and, and saying, you know, we're not going to see a drop off in that particular role. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that John Butler probably won us the Duke game. We could, we could be honest about that. We, we, you know, don't beat, well, I don't know if he won us the Duke game, but we certainly don't win against Duke if, mm -hmm. uh, if he didn't play the game that he did. And, and you could probably make the same statement about Notre Dame as well wasn't maybe quite as impressive as a performance, but I, I just don't know. It's hard for me to, to your point, it's hard to me for me to think that there is going to be a significant drop-off when what he was really bringing to the court was floor stretching and, uh, and some, you know, some positional uh, 
mismatches at times when he's bringing the ball up the court. Uh, but it's, I mean, Darren Green hopefully can provide some floor stretching and, and Baba can provide some potential floor stretching. And, you know, maybe a guy like Cam Fletcher gets a bit more minutes if he's not hurt with, with floor stretching ability. So I'm not trying to say that he's not a loss, but I, I don't, I'll put it this way. We were talking all season long on the podcast of, it's probably not likely that we're going to return all three of Matthew Cleveland, Jalen Worley, and John Butler. We're just probably not going to return all three. And if there was one I had to say that would be the least impactful now looking at the actual roster that we have, it would be John Butler. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Um, if you're, if you're giving him advice, do you, what, what advice do you give him on the NBA to go or not? And why? I think he made a mistake. I, uh, I, I, and I've, you know, I've said that on the boards at Tomahawk Nation. It's not like I'm trying to hide it. I, I, he, he might get drafted. It's, and I use the word might. There, there's several teams. There's a couple things about this year's NBA draft. First of all, it's a much weaker class than last year. That not only was stacked at the top with Scotty and Cade and Evan Mobley and Jalen Green, right? I mean, four guys that all might have gone number one in the previous year, number two. Um, and so the, it also had a lot of depth down down throughout the rest of the first round. Uh, this year is, does not have the elite all-star sort of franchise players at the top maybe Jabari Smith uh, but it does it just doesn't have the depth of the elite players and it doesn't have the depth of sort of the second tier of like you know starter on a championship team players so he's in a weaker class probably in a weaker class than he will be in next year's as well looking at some of the uh some of the insights on some of the 2023 guys uh, and so there's that it also happens to be a year where because a lot of trades, you've got a number of teams that have three and four picks in the draft, which typically an NBA team has two. Uh, and so there, there are going to be teams that are like, eh, in the second round, why not? This guy's not going to play next year. We can't play a 170 pound seven footer in the NBA, but we'll get him in the G league. We'll uh, see what we've got. We'll put him on a cheap contract. And in two years, we can make a decision of whether we want to cut bait or not. Uh, so I, he very well could be drafted, keeping in mind that there's two fewer picks this year than there are in most years because two of them were forfeited. So there's only 58, not 60. It's not a sure thing that he gets drafted. And I, I think if he comes back another year and, and adds any kind of weight, even gets to 185, 190, and, and, and shows that the three-point shooting wasn't a fluke, shows that he can add maybe a second skill, maybe an off-the-bounce pull-up, uh, you know, the way he likes to talk about being the next Kevin Durant. Well, Kevin Durant can take people off the dribble and, and get buckets anywhere he wants to on the court. If he can start to show the makings of an off-the-bounce uh, shot the way that Devin Vassell did in his second year, now all of a sudden you say, well, okay, well, there's a bit more to work with besides just a 3 and D guy who isn't big enough to really defend a whole lot of people. Um, and, and cause right now he's really just a three and weak side blocker guy. Uh, so I, I think he, I think he made a mistake. I think that he may get drafted, but if he does, he'll be on, uh, a G league at best two-way contract that is going to max out at a couple hundred grand, probably not too different than what he could have got from some NIL thing, you know, and, and at, at worst, I think he cost himself the chance of being a first round pick next year. And if you're a first round pick, you get a guaranteed two, three, $4 million a year. Even if, even if you get hurt 
your first year. And, and they, even if they cut bait, you still have that guaranteed two to three years. So I, I feel bad for him if he got bad advice from people around him, but it was a mistake. Yeah. I've seen a lot of guys on the, uh, or a lot of people posting on the message boards that, you know, why doesn't Florida state have guys that come back? Um, you know, and they, they cite North Carolina, which is their own deal. Uh, but, you know, we have had, you know, Dwayne Bacon and uh, Vassell and Fiondu who all could have made a bad decision and jumped earlier than they did, but they did right. come back for a year. So, right. you know, I think people just need to keep this in perspective. That Even Matthew not, Cleveland. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew Cleveland yeah. could have made a poor choice. Matthew mm-hmm. Cleveland has a better NBA body and more athleticism than John Butler. Matthew Cleveland can't shoot right now. He can't shoot mm-hmm. the basketball. And if you're watching the NBA, that's pretty important. He wise, he probably also would have been not drafted or, or late, late second. And he, he came back and, and he, if he does what Jaden Ivy did, which is develop a bit of a jump shot, he will be maybe a first round pick next year. So he made the right choice. Yeah. I don't know what to say about it. I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but if you're asking me my opinion of the, of the decision, just objectively it has nothing to do with, I, I was the one that said Raekwon Gray should have gone. Cause he's not going to, you don't get younger and he's not going to like improve his body that much more. Uh, this is just a, I just think it's a bad choice. Uh, I hope it doesn't impact our, our uh, recruitment with John's younger brother. I think he could be a great fit in Hamilton's role. I, I think he might have more NBA potential than even John. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's take, that's, I love that discussion. Let's take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd love to get your thoughts, Michael, on some of just the broader questions around the roster, the new guys, how it all fits together and, and things like that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Uh, we paid some bills. We're back. If you missed the first part of it, we had uh, Max Escarpio from Tomahawk Nation on talking a little bit about just the insights from what he's hearing directly from players, which led to a kind of rousing discussion around Baba Miller versus John Butler and John Butler's decision to go to the NBA. Um, let's, let's broaden it out a bit to the rest of the, t- the, the team that we do have, Michael, the team who is John is gone. Who do we have left? Uh, there have been some, so we did retain pretty much everyone else that we had sort of wanted to keep with maybe the exception of, I know last time we had a pod, there was still some uncertainty around whether Malik Osborne would choose to come back to Florida state. He decided that six years in college was enough. And uh, he has, he has gone and, and we'll make a, we'll make a a living playing basketball uh, somewhere in the world and, and, Good for good for him. Hope he recovers from that injury and, and can't wait to see him having success on the basketball court again. Um, in the meantime, we added a Darren Green, who was brought up uh, by Max, the UCF transfer. We added um, Bob on Miller, who we just talked about. And all of the other guys actually made it to campus and showed up the other recruits that we had. And we, we retained the, the Cam Fletcher's the 
Caleb Mills, the uh, Naheem McLeods, and, and everyone else that you thought might be a risk, Jalen Worley. Looking at the roster, Michael, um, how does it feel to you in terms of depth, in terms of fit? I like both. I think that the, uh, you know, the depth could be a little challenging early just because Baba probably won't be ready because he won't actually be here till the end of August, as Max was talking about. And, you know, Deontay Green's probably not going to be ready to go in game one or at least, you know, fully healthy. And then there's always going to be some, you know, random, you know, players sitting out for injury reasons or whatever. Um, but, you know, that, that said, I think that the depth of this team is, is, you know, it's, it's a lot deeper than we've seen in recent years. This is where this is kind of going back to the teams when we really started the, the whole 18 strong thing, you know, those, those teams were legitimately deep and, and this one is going to be the same. Uh, the, the fit seems to me that it's much better. Like we're recruiting guys, you know, Cam Corhan is, is a you know prime example, Deontay Green, you know, these guys who, uh, Baba, who, uh, you know, are real fits in a positionless system. You know, we've, we've kind of been, I don't want to say dipping our toes because, you know, the, the coaches are, are all in on the positionless thing, but I don't think that our recruiting has, has matched the system particularly well. And I think that this is probably going to be the first team where it matches. Uh, the downside is, is that, you know, eight of the guys have never played you know, at Florida State. So it's, it's going to take a little while for them to gel, but I'm, I'm excited about both of those things. Yeah. And, and so does that, am I hearing you say that we don't know what the results are going to look like? I, I actually don't, I think we start off with a, with a cupcake. I hope we start off with a cupcake. Maybe um, I don't know what the results are going to look like early in November, but I'm hearing you say that absent a, a catastrophic injury situation like we just saw last year that it seems like maybe there is a makings of a team that could have potential for, for being pretty strong in, in February or March. I think so. And, and this is going to be, you know, one of those seasons where you see a team really improve over, over, the, over the course of time, you know, some of our, uh, it's harder to see that on real veteran teams like North Carolina is going to be good right out of the gate. And, but they weren't this year, right? They were a team that improved as the year exactly, went Exactly, yeah. And Gonzaga is going to be good right out of the gate. You know, you've got, you got these powerhouse teams that are going to be good, and we are not going to look anything like those teams. Yeah. Um, but by March, you know, maybe you know, maybe we can be taking down some of those teams and, and uh, make a little run. It's going to require a lot of, a lot of freshman time, which you know, is the reason Ham has no hair. But – uh, you know, we've, we've had freshmen in the past that, that have kind of led the team, um, not a bunch, you know, but Snare and Isaac and, and Dwayne Bacon and, you know, a few of those guys have all had, had major roles. And so, you know, who's it going to be this year that, that really steps up? Um, or are we leaning almost entirely on the vets and the transfers? And, and by vet, I mean someone who's played one year. You know, yeah. Yeah. Matthew Cleveland is a vet. Yeah. Uh, it's, I kind of like your, I kind of like what you were talking about in terms of maybe reminding me of the Trent Forrest, CJ Walker, PJ Savoy, Chris Kamaji team that, that started off. I think we lost like 12 games that year. And, and some of that was because of some, I believe like a Phil Kofer injury or something like that. And, and lo and behold, come, come the tournament, you know, you knock off Xavier and, and, and you're really playing some of your best basketball of the whole season, which is the point in a, in a, in a sport that decides it's champion with a, with a three and a half week single elimination tournament. 
uh, is to be playing good basketball then. Do you see, acknowledging that a lot of people are, are new, even a second year guy like Cam Fletcher still hasn't played a ton of basketball in college it does seem like there's very clear roles for people to play. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think we could probably break down the roster and look at, look, you know, there's like two or three skills that every single person is, is going to be leaned on for. And, and that's probably a good thing when you, when you've got a team that's, you know, 11 role players and two guys are going to be scoring the points. Yeah. I I feel like if there's one thing as someone who has to manage people in, in, in a real life job and stuff that, being able to clearly define division of responsibility and being able to clear to say, Hey, here's what we're asking you to be responsible for on this, in this set or in this game or in this month, that does make it, I think, easier for someone to be brought along in a way that you can work through some of the learning periods, as opposed to having to say, like Scotty's kind of a special kid, right? Like to be able to say, Hey, Scotty, you're responsible for bringing the ball up for backing people down for guarding four positions for doing all this during COVID, right? Like I think people now understand how incredible that was and why he was rookie of the year in the NBA. I think it's a lot for most normal freshmen to be able to say, um, you know, Chandler Jackson, we're going to ask you to come in and be a dog on defense and and play downhill and get into the paint and either finish around the rim, draw fouls, or kick out to shooters, right? Or to say, Darren Green, we're going to ask you to come in and be lightning in a bottle off the bench. We want you to, you know, push pace, get to your spots, make threes, and also defend, you know, aggressively but under control. And, and that's what we're asking you to do. Um, that feels like an easier recipe to envision guys being able to, to kind of internalize what they need to do to be successful. Uh, and speaking of Darren Green, is that what we were asking him to do? I'd love your thought. I think you've seen him a bit more in terms of at UCF and watching film on him. Is that what we're asking Darren Green to do? Yeah, I mean, well, Darren's going to be a guy that we're going to lean on to, you know, obviously score some points. He's – he. He uh, is going to. He's. Gonna, I think he's going to be better positioned at Florida State to score than he was at UCF. He. They had to lean on him maybe a little bit, a little bit too much, and so a lot of the shots that he was taking. If you look at the, at, if you watch their games, like he would pull up from twenty six feet, you know, regularly. Um, you know, whereas whereas he should get better shots in the, in the system. Um, but you know what I think we're going to be asking from him is, you know, you were talking about putting guys in position, or at least I think this is what you're talking about, putting guys in position to where they can, you know, do what they do well, you know, for the limited mm-hmm. time that they're on the court. And that's the coach's secret sauce is how do you mix five guys so that we're not leaning on Tom house to win the game, but the nine minutes that he's out there, he is totally clearly 100% understands his role. Um, and so do the other four people that, that play with him. And so when you bring in guys like Darren Green, who are much more experienced, I think that you can ask them to do, you know, a lot more than just focus on, you know, one or two things. And, you know, that's what we're going to really be leaning on with him. And, and you know, probably Jalen Ganey, who's another, you know, very experienced player, more experienced than, you know, our, our most experienced guys are guys who have never played a game at Florida State. Because I don't know if I really got at your question, but. No, I, I think I think you did. Um and you mentioned Ganey too, which I'm glad you did. Is 
it, it, there was an interesting back and forth in the Slack channel recently around, um, you know, is there a world in which Jalen Ganey starts? He, he's, I mean, he's two time all defense, all conference defensive player of the year in, in, in the Ivy league. And so clearly this is a guy who has some, regardless of what you think of the athleticism in the Ivy league, he has an understanding of how to play defense at the college level and impact the game on defense. Is, is there a world in which we start him and McLeod or, or does that really limit us from a, does, does that allow a, on, on the other side of the court, a defense to really pack it in against us and, and we just can't stretch the floor enough. Yeah. I think 2012 Leonard Hamilton would have both of those guys in the starting lineup, you know, no, no questions asked, but I, I think that what we're going to see out of him is he's going to be the guy that comes in at the under 16 and a lot, and a lot of it, we know that we can lean on him to play minutes because we know exactly what he can do. Uh, McLeod is still developing um, and he had some, some brighter than expected moments last year. And so I think a lot of, of how we use Ganey ultimately ends up on how well McLeod has, has continued to develop, but it's going to be, you know, kind of the one, two punch to that, that we've lacked, you know, when we had like Balsa and, you know, who's coming in to replace Balsa, like some, you know, yeah. And Dom and that, one year and, and yeah. Dom and, and Kamaji. Yeah. So it's just band-aiding the, the, that position together. And now it's, it's, uh, you know, I think with that, assuming McLeod has continued to develop, we, we've got two guys who, who bring di- very different skills and, you know, are going to, one of them is going to be on the court most of the game. And probably I don't, I, I kind of doubt that we'll see both of them playing at the same time. Unless, unless Matthew Cleveland takes a real jump as a, as a perimeter shooter, which, Hey, if he does that, then go ahead and you're a top 10 pick dude. You know, like name your, name your price that you want on your contract. Cause that, that takes things to a different level. I, I think I agree with you in terms of there might always be one of them on the court or 35 minutes a game, one of them on the court. I, I suppose we could go super like, small from a girth standpoint and have like Baba as, as the big or something, but, um, and, and yet never have them both on the court. What I'd really like to see, to be honest, is getting back to, to point guards like uh, Trent Forrest that, that are, when they dribble, it's with a purpose and it's a pur- with a purpose to get downhill. And even Terrence Mann, who wasn't a point guard, but you've seen him do this role in the NBA too. I, I re- if we can get, you know, Caleb Mills, Jalen Worley and Chandler Jackson to, to attack with a purpose and, and start draw that defender in, I, I think that both we could have essentially for the entire game, a lob threat with either Naheem or Ganey in the game. And, and we've seen time teams when we were, you know, that 2020 year, there were times when we could just run three or four sets in a row that finished with a lob at the basket. Uh, and, and I think that we have a real potential there. I know I last year were I was more than more vocal ones complaining about sometimes Caleb just dribbling the air out of the ball. And it's not, there was no dribbling with a purpose. I, I think you kind of brought up a great point in a recent conversation between you and I around what was actually around him to pass to, right? Harrison Prieto, uh, you know, guy, what, who was around to pass to it? Are you comfortable with, with a, a lineup that often includes Caleb and Worley or uh, Caleb and Chandler Jackson at the same time? Absolutely. And I, and I, I, you know, I, I have no problem with, with Caleb, 
you know, the way that he was used last year is it was just such a wonky year. It's, it's hard to draw too much out of it, but he, you know, he has a skill that no one else that, that or I shouldn't say no one else has, but it's higher level than anyone else on the team. And that's just, you know, his ability to be really deceptive with the ball and, you know, get inside of a defense. Um, not necessarily because he's got a lightning quick first step, just because he's got, you know, he's, he's got like handles. A, yeah, he's, he's got, got handles. handles. He's got all kinds. He's got moves that have, you know, that, that got Steph Curry. He doesn't know he has. Yeah. And so, uh, I, th- I think that, you know, to your, to your point about, you know, the lob threat and everything, what we're going to see out of this year's team is we're going to be a very good three point shooting team that doesn't take a lot of threes. I think, I mean, everybody takes a lot of threes so that, I mean, it's, it's obviously, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but we're not going to be totally reliant on, on the three point shot. And I think we're going to see probably fewer taken than we have in the, in the last few years, just because we've got more ways to play inside out. We've got more guys who can drive the ball. You know, we've got, uh, you know, two, two post players who can probably catch it, which is, you know, it's been a while since, since, it was, since we've had those, we've got Baba and then, you know, Chandler Jackson, which I'm super high on. I don't know how much he'll do as a freshman, but you know, when he was on, on campus, they, you know, they weren't showing him Trent Forrest film. They were, they were showing him Terrence Mann film. And so they're, you know, they, they, your, your point earlier about the way that Terrence was used. I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of the Chandler Jackson role moving forward. You know, there's just a lot of interesting pieces and, you know, I'm fascinated to see how the coaches can, can, you know, kind of assemble this thing. There really are. I, I, I hate to get too far ahead. I think if this team, let's say hypothetically only lost, Cleveland and Miller off of this year's team. Gosh, I mean, you start looking at a, at a, at a team then that has a whole bunch of guys in their second, third year. And, but I, I agree with everything you're saying that there's a lot of really intriguing pieces. And I think, I think for the first time in a couple of years, there's, there's a lot of mixing and matching that the coaching staff can choose to do as opposed to be forced to do because of uh, injuries I let one more question and then I'm, we'll have a whole off season and preseason to continue to talk about this. But as of right now, June 16th, is there anything that, you know, makes you pause and say, you know, that is a real, that's a, that's a question mark that I don't know that, you know, there's a current answer for. Yeah. I think it comes down to the, you know, how quickly we can gel because the ACC is going to be better this year than, you know, the ACC has not been great the last few years and this year the ACC is going to be really, really good. Um, and so how are we able to take care of business heading into the ACC season to, to have us on the right side of, you know, the NCAA tournament bubble with our, with our resume, like we just, we cannot afford to be dropping bad games because the ACC is going to be tough. Um, there's a lot of teams with, with, you know, five grown men playing on them and, and, you know, we got a bunch of young guys and, and so, you know, that, that early part of the schedule is, is I think going to really set this team up for, for, uh, you know, the potential to, to actually make it in March, you know, for the, for, for the first first you know step but then also you know kind of prepare us for that ACC season where we're you know where it really is going to be a grind this year I'm glad you brought it's almost like you're reading notes uh which I swear this time we didn't even have any but it's almost like you're you're pulling from notes um you know there were some there was some news recently about the schedule and you're right the the 
I mean, last year we got to the end of the out of conference schedule. And I mean, you and I were already on, you were on Twitter. I'm not, but we were already on the podcast. You were on Twitter saying like this team realistically is out of the NCAA tournament because, you know, they, the, the net rating was so bad. The, the losses, there were some bad losses. There were some worse wins. You can't, you can't beat terrible teams by five or one in the case against Boston university. Uh, and, and we didn't have any other wins to kind of hang our hat on. Now that, that might've almost changed it. I mean, we started off six and one, the ACC and gosh, I guess if you finish 16 and four in the ACC or something, then I suppose that can change, but it, it is going to be imperative that you don't enter the ACC already behind the eight ball in terms of not whether or not you're an NCAA tournament team, but do you have an NCAA tournament resume? Uh, and so looking kind of segueing to, to another section, uh, we know we're going to play UF. Uh, we, we scheduled, we have a, I don't know if it's a road game or if it's at a different place in Orlando, but either way, it's a, it's a semi road or true road game against UCF, uh, Darren Green homecoming in Orlando. And, and then we are in the ESPN events invitational, uh, which is, one of those early season tournaments that is uh, November 25th. So it's Thanksgiving, 24th, 25th, 27th. And that is also in Orlando at Disney wide world of sports that features Memphis, Oklahoma, Seton hall, Stanford, uh, you know, some, some bunch of decent teams with no one who seems to be elite. Hey, what do you think about that? What do you think about that early season schedule? Knowing we'll have a couple of cupcakes in there too. It's a great schedule as long as we win. I mean, the, the, you know, we're not going up against Kansas or Gonzaga or, you know, the, the you know, those, those Purdue real power last year. Game. Yeah. And so if you, you know, if you, you go on the road, you lose Purdue, who cares? It's not, it's not going to, you know, negatively impact your, it's only, you know, a chance to improve your resume. You go to Orlando and play, you know, Oklahoma and Seton Hall and you lose both of them. And suddenly you're in, you're in a world of shit. Uh, the the tournament that you mentioned the espn whatever the hell it's called it's they, events they invitational some, yeah they need some marketing on that to give it a little, yeah. little, little title uh, the espn know, it, event yeah <laughs> it's it's you know a bunch of teams just like florida state you know it's like they're yeah. not going to be ranked at the be- awful yeah they're not going to be ranked at the beginning of the season they're good they're not they're gonna they're probably gonna finish somewhere you know in the middle to upper part of their conference uh, you know, it's, it's like teams that are, that are fine. And, and whoever wins that event is going to uh, be way ahead of, of, you know, the teams who aren't able to win it. And then a road game against somebody like UCF, you know, that's, that's completely losable game. You know, I mean, we've, we've lost them before and, you know, they've got five-star CJ Walker, who's in his senior year. So they got a guy who's going to be a problem. Um, you know, it'll be an interesting matchup. And I think a lot of these games are going to be really close. It's just, you know, how many of them are we winning? And, and we really don't have the opportunity to drop, you know, more than, you know, two games. And that's got to be against selected, you know, yeah. opponents. Yeah. And we don't have Raekwon Evans to, to carry us down the stretch like we did last year. I mean, we were 17 and 14 last year, but sheesh, we could have easily been 13 and I mean, Raekwon Evans single-handedly won us three or four games uh, with his tremendously poised play down the stretch. We don't have that. I'd like to think that someone like a Jalen Worley or or Caleb Mills can step into that role, 
but that remains to be seen. I, I think we could legitimately, Michael, know by December 15th if we are on track to be in, or maybe even December 5th. I mean, we got to beat UF at home. It's one thing to lose to them on the road, but listen, they have a new coach. They also have new players and that's a home game. So if you drop that, I mean, the, the UF would have to be in the top, I, I want to say 30 or 50, just to be like a quad two loss. You can't, you can't lose that game at home. You got to find a way to, to, to start a new streak against UF. And, and I think to your point, if you can go on the road and beat a good UCF team and, and let's say you, you know, you go one and one in the tournament down in Orlando, you've now already got three solid wins under your belt uh, and, and, you know, maybe add a home win in the big 10, big 10 ACC tournament. You've almost set yourself up to just have to go 12 and eight in the ACC and you're in the tournament. You lose the, you lose the UF, you go zero and two in Orlando and maybe drop the, drop the UCF game. Now you're looking at gosh, 15 and five. So yeah, and there's a lot of pressure on the coaches to put together the right schedule this year. You know, we, we do not want to play a team early. That's got, you know, like five fifth year seniors, even if they are a low major, you know, we need, yeah, we need to be playing teams that are in the same boat. We are. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Uh, we'll wrap things up here pretty quickly, but I just curious, maybe a little other news and, and notes. Uh, our old friend Luke Laux got a new job in the, in the NBA. So he was with the Warriors and we've talked on the pod before about how, how we take a lot of, of what we are running these days from the Warriors. He had, uh, he had gone over to the Phoenix Suns this year and actually was in Tallahassee doing some scouting uh, in the player personnel development uh, area. And now he took a, an actual, like a full assistant coach gig for the Sacramento Kings, uh, which is up in your neck of the woods, Michael, you, you a Kings fan now? Well, I've got some friends that have some great seats, so I can I can go down there and yell at Luke if he's doing a bad job. But uh, yeah, it's it's exciting to see him, uh, you know, on the on the career trajectory to be an NBA head coach. I don't know that we've we've ever had a player that did we? Did, I don't. Did, it was Cowens ever? ever? I feel like maybe Cowens yeah. for a year was like a player coach or something. I don't know. The seventies yeah. were wild. Uh, <laughs> you know, Sam Cassell, I would say, is is probably going to be a head yeah. coach somewhere so i i would i would i, I don't want to say hope for luke but mm-hmm. i i hope that there's not a very i hope he's not getting he's not being passed over on opportunities because of i don't know you know mm-hmm. whatever uh minority reasons you might come up with but he he has done a great job and probably should be a head coach somewhere soon but luke luke is on that trajectory I, he had a you know he's he was with golden state for some very successful years Phoenix had a great year this year. And when, uh, when Luke and I talked when he was in Tallahassee, I know he's very interested in some of the guys at the top of the draft, which now he's with the Kings. He gets to, to pick fourth and well, not he, but the team gets to pick fourth. So that will be interesting uh, for sure. I, I feel like there'll be a couple of good options. Uh, also, I've saw that, I, I, well, Trent Forrest, I think is, awaiting to hear whether or not he's going to be given his full like turned into a full player for the jazz or not whether or not at this point he's been on a two-year contract i think twice and so trent is probably going to either be given a, a full roster spot with the jazz or be let go as a restricted free agent and and again when luke was in town it seemed like there was certainly some other interest among western conference teams mm-hmm. 
for Trent Forrest. So uh, could, could be seeing him uh, catch on somewhere else uh, as well. I know you catch up or keep up with some of the European guys. Any, any news from across the pond? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how it, it's all going to shake out this year because, you know, the, obviously the, the, you know, COVID has shaped the, the, the European basketball so much in the last couple of years. That, yeah. You know, it's, it's been hard for guys to make a living. Um, you know, the, the experienced guys like, you know, Al Thornton, you know, still over there grinding away, making a living, he won a championship, I think this year. So, you know, some of the older guys are still over, over there grinding. Um, but it'll be, you know, interesting now that the world is opening up a little bit. If, if some of the, the younger guys that we've lost in the last couple of years can really take on a big role over there. Yeah. And, and the younger guys in the NBA are uh, going to be moving into, I mean, Scotty's already NBA rookie of the year, but Devin Vassell will, will likely be moving into a more full-time starting position. And Pat Williams, you know, missed a lot of the season with a broken wrist, but he had some big games in the first round of the playoffs uh, and leading into the playoffs. So I think he could be somebody who, who, probably grabs a bit more playing time next year. And, and Terrence Mann has really solidified himself uh, with the Clippers. So a lot of, a lot of guys that are, that are going to be, I think you start seeing more and more people from this kind of era of Florida state basketball uh, that, that are infiltrating into the NBA. I don't have anything else. Um, it, it, we are here coming on Thursday of the U S open week. So knowing that the first round has mostly been played, but, you, do you have a, a projection of a winner for the for the rest of the for the rest of the tournament? Well, I think Berger is the only knoll that that played decent. Um, Seifert and Kepko were four or five over last last I saw, uh, so probably not going to be a Florida State guy. I've I've got um, JT as the in my you know, I'm in one of those pools where you have six different tiers of players, and he's my top tier guy, which is you know they're all great. So it's yeah. all you're gonna you're gonna be picking somebody. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. It's a it's a it's it's a tough tough course. I've I've, I've played there, and it's you have, uh, and and I would not be you know at my at my peak. I would there's zero percent chance that I could probably break ninety out there right now. And you know I was a scratch golfer, so it's I mean it's just it's it's brutal. It's fun to watch. The the rough is I mean it seems like if you're in, if you stay in the fairway and find a way onto one of the small greens you can you can do okay but the rough the rough is brutal. Uh, I'm also in one of those six tier pools and I had Rory. I was down to JT and Rory, uh, so I had Rory and feeling good after round one, but three rounds to go. Uh, so we'll see how see how that goes. I, a guy though that I think is 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 a sneaky i mean not sneaky in the sense that if you're paying attention to golf you know who he is but i think matt fitzpatrick you know he won the u.s amateur there in 2013 and he and he started off he had a nice round of day so i think he could be someone to watch from the weekend yeah i had him picked and then i unclicked him which is bad mistake but i I just watch him chip cross-handed i'm like i can't pick that guy i don't care how good he is yeah yeah if it'd be something if he can win the U.S. Amateur at Brookline and also mm-hmm. win uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, all right. Well, this was great. This was episode number 48. So as we get closer to the preseason, we'll have to think about doing something for, for the 50th episode. In the meantime, enjoy the golf. And ho- hopefully it's cooler where you are than where we are here. It's been 100 in Tallahassee. So yeah, it's nice. Here. That. Yeah. Enjoy the golf and enjoy the weather.